Hey church, it's Friday and it's Good Friday. And the only reason it's Good Friday is because on this Friday, Jesus gave his life as a ransom for you and I that our sins can be forgiven. Without what Jesus did, none of us would have any hope of heaven. Now today, I want to focus in on Jesus' final words that he speaks on the cross with his, with his final breath. But before we get there, just let's, let's walk with Jesus a little bit through this uh, very dramatic day. So they come and they arrest Jesus late Thursday night. The disciples scatter and um, they take Jesus to the, the, the home of the high priest Caiaphas. And there for the, from, from, I mean, let's just assume it's midnight to 6 a.m. They're just, they've got Jesus on trial. They are, are, are bringing in false witnesses. They're looking for a reason to, to accuse him. And when Jesus just basically speaks the truth about what he said and who he is, they're like, that's it. We finally got enough evidence. Uh, we're, we're ready to condemn this man to death. Um, but they don't have the authority to do that. So about 6 a.m., they take Jesus. I mean, after they've been uh, mocking him and beating him and abusing him, about 6 a.m., they take him to Pontius Pilate, who's the governor. And they, they present him to Pilate, and Pilate examines him, and he says, I can't find a reason. Uh, I can't find any guilt in this man. And Pilate doesn't want anything to do with this and, and all that they're trying to do. And uh, so he, he keeps inquiring. He's learning of the situation. When he finds out that Jesus was from Galilee, he's like, wait, wait, Galilee? That's, that's Herod's territory. And Herod's in town. Send him to Herod. Let Herod deal with him. So they send Jesus over to Herod. Herod is uh, initially, he's pretty amused. He's like, I've been wanting to meet this Jesus. I've been hearing things about him. But he wants Jesus to basically do like uh, party tricks for him. And again, they, they ab abuse and they mock Jesus. and they, they, uh, but, but basically, Herod doesn't do anything with him. He sends him back to Pilate. Now, Pilate here, the, 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 the pressure is being put upon him by these high priests and these religious leaders. And they've got people stirred up. And finally, Pilate, he's just like, well, uh, I usually give, a, I, I release somebody on this day. I can release you, Jesus, who I can't find any guilt in, or there's this guy named Barabbas who's, you know, he's a murderer. Who, who do y'all want? And the high priest stir up the crowd to say, we want you to release Barabbas. He said, well, what do I do with your king, with the king of the Jews? They say, crucify, crucify. And there, probably at about 8 a.m., they, uh, they sentence Jesus to death. So they take Jesus out, he's severely flogged, he's beaten, and probably about 9 a.m., they finally put those nails in his hands and feet, and they raise him up into the air, and there he hangs. Now I want to read this to you. This is Luke chapter 23, starting at verse 44. It was now about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour, while the sun's light failed. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. Now when the centurion saw what had taken place, he praised God, saying, Certainly this man was innocent. And all the crowds that had assembled for this spectacle, when they saw what had taken place, returned home, beating their breast, and all his acquaintances and all the women who had followed him from Galilee stood at a distance watching these things. 
You know, if, if the crucifixion were to have happened here in the central time zone, that sixth hour would be about noon. And so right about noon, Jesus is on the cross. Um, he's been mocked by uh, the, the thieves on both sides of him. He's, he's been mocked by the, by the, by the, by the soldiers. They've, they've mistreated him. They've, um, they've insulted him. They, I mean, he's, he's just had a, an incredible ordeal. He's, he's bleeding profusely from his back. He's got this crown of thorns on his head. Um, and, and he's been hanging on this cross now for maybe about three hours. And now darkness covers the land. Um, if, if, if we were there watching this, Jesus on the cross, and now darkness covers the whole land um, for the next three hours, because that's what it says, until about the ninth hour, that would be for us about 3 p.m. We would look on the cross and we would see this bloody and tortured Jesus, and then we'd look at the sky and see, see that, that light has, has dissipated and darkness is prevailing. I mean, I would imagine that, that fear would start to set in, a sense of, oh my gosh, what have we done that would come over us? I mean, imagine the dread that we might sense during these three hours. Hours, just, I mean, just hours before we, we had been crying out, crucify, crucify, along with everybody else in the mob. But now as darkness covers the land, I'm sure a holy fear would come over us. And I'm sure it came over them. I mean, a sense of God's judgment, a realization of God's wrath. But what does God do? I mean, after we, and I'm counting ourselves in this group, after we have scandalously crucified his son, what does God do after we've rejected his love in the most gruesome and emphatic fashion? I mean, scripture tells us that the curtain was torn into the, the curtain in the temple was torn into uh, the gospel of mark tells us that it was torn from top to bottom mark 15 38 and the curtain of the temple was torn into from top to bottom if you don't already know there was this massive curtain hanging in the in the temple and this curtain separated the holy of holies from the rest of the temple where where men dwelt the the holy of holies was the was the dwelling place of god's presence and, and man was not permitted to enter in it. There, there was a separation, a separation between man and God. Early Jewish tradition stated that, that this temple veil, this curtain, was as thick as a man's hand. And it was tall, 60 feet tall. Um, the implication is clear here. The tearing of this curtain, this veil, this was not something that man could do nor could man do anything in his own power to cancel the separation between himself and God. Because sin separates us from God. We can't do anything about that. What, when Jesus uh, gives out his breath, he, he ends the separation himself. And then what scripture tells us is that Jesus calls out in a loud voice. Look, like he's been hanging on the cross for three hours. This is not easy to do. Crucifixion is death by asphyxiation. Jesus calls out in a loud voice. He musters up the strength. Though he was weary and exhausted, he cries out in a loud voice. Not a whimper, not a whisper. He's got something to say, something to shout, and he calls out in a loud voice. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Father, I mean, can you hear the relationship, can you hear the trust? 
Can you hear what it, what's important to Jesus in this last moment? I mean, do you think he called out in a loud voice because he wasn't sure that God would not hear him? I think he called out in a loud voice for, for our benefit. Perhaps when the world is at its darkness, when, when light seems to elude us, when, when we feel like we're at our end, we should remember, like Jesus, our Heavenly Father. We should cling to that relationship. When things get difficult, uh, we, we, all tr we tend to try to seize control of the situation. We, we scurry about, we worry, we try to work things out. We even doubt God's care to us. And, and none of that does any good for us. When darkness covered the land and Jesus comes to his end, he calls out, Father. Jesus taught earlier in his life, and uh, it's recorded in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6. Jesus says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. See, this then is how we pray. He says, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. He says, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. I trust you. You have me. All of me. My life is yours. And now that my life has come to its end, you still have all of me. Into your hands I commit my spirit. I mean, I, I marvel at the relationship expressed in these last words. I marvel at the trust. My, my life is yours. Those who gathered there that day, they marveled too. They, they were told of this centurion who saw this and he praised God. Certainly this man was innocent. In the book of Mark, that same centurion, it's recorded as saying, this is Mark 15, 39. And when the centurion who stood facing him saw that in this way he breathed his last, he said, truly this man was the son of God. With his last breath, with, with the last bit of strength Jesus had on that cross, he points us to his Father, and he shows us to trust in him. When, when darkness is all around, we trust our Father. When our strength is all used up, we trust our Father. When, when hope seems to be absent, we trust our Father. When we, when we don't understand what's going on, we can trust our Father. You know, like I was had a conversation just recently about all this coronavirus stuff and like really like what's what is going on. It's too big for me to see the whole bit of it right now and get a get a grasp of it all. 
But in the midst of it, I know, because Jesus has shown me the way, and I've experienced it, I trust the Father, and you can too. If you'll trust the Father, His love for you, and the giving of His Son Jesus, His death on the cross, and the resurrection we're going to celebrate here in a few days, you can be saved. And there's no darkness that could ever seize you because when it's all said and done, you and I and all who believe in the name of the Lord Jesus will be saved, will have a place for us in heaven. And that's pretty good. Love you guys.